Greetings, D&D people, and welcome back to Improv Madness, the D&D 5e actual play podcast where no one knows what's happening, especially not me. My name is Emma, and I will be your DM for this and all of our other adventures that you'll be taking with us here in Season 1. Now, this episode will be a little different than those you've already heard for a couple of reasons. Uh, this first season was recorded back in 2021 as a beta test for the format, and some content in this episode was deemed inappropriate for our current standards. That content has since been removed, and this episode will be presented as a summary with select clips from that recording session included. Since its founding in 2023, TTN has been dedicated to the quality of its content and the use of safety tools and content warnings for all games and podcasts, even if those standards were not upheld for the previous recordings, they will continue to be upheld in the post-production process. Now, with that being said, I'll turn it over to the players to introduce themselves and their characters before we move on to the story. Hello everyone, I'm Jeremy, and um, I play a rather outlandish gnome who goes by the name of Lim Burr, or Mr. Burr if you please. Uh, he's a rock gnome, circle of the land druid, who may not have much money, but acts like he does. Hi, I'm Rosie, and today I am playing a character named Torin Biren. Torin is a female silver dragon cleric, to, to my surprise. I'm not a cleric person. But I have traveled the world before, and I have a little bit of refinery, but I cuss like a fucking motherfucker because I've been around sailors all the goddamn time who don't take care of their fucking self. Anyways, <laughs> I'm once again with another crew, and I'm just making sure that their health is up to standards. And I have a feeling that um, I'm going to have to save their asses yet again. You just might, depending on what you come across tonight. But we shall move on once more to our friend Tyler and his character. Hello, good evening, good morning, or whatever time of day it is for you. Today I'm playing a character named Jebediah Zacharias Smythe, who is a deep gnome. He has long flowing locks, pale blue skin, and kind of looks like a demented troll's doll. But that works out well for his profession as he is an entertainer. And boy, is he ready to entertain you all tonight. He is a draconic bloodline sorcerer, and that seems to be my theme lately. So as an entertainer, that gives way to a variety of fun bits and bobs that he has at his availability and what he does as a member or I guess maybe at this point, a former member of a traveling circus where he learned most of his magic initially and learned more about himself. And today, we hope to learn a little bit more about him and see him in action. Well, I absolutely cannot wait to see him in action because now all I'm picturing is a Smurf sorcerer and I hate that I cannot unsee this. <laughs> But before I fall into this trap and die laughing before I can DM the one shot, I'm going to move it over to Mao for her character. Hello, I am Mao. That is my introduction. But I am playing a character that is named Elizard Biff Reptilian. Don't know if you uh, heard the lizard part, but she is a dragonborn. And she is just pure chaos. I'm a chaotic person by nature, so my character naturally has to be chaotic. I was hoping that it would be an evil campaign so that I would have an excuse to destroy things, but alas, it is not. 
I mean... Evil, good, what's the difference? It is also entirely up to you. So... That is true. I do plan to cause as much chaos as humanly possible. <laughs> this is improv. There are no rules. All Jebediah cares about as long as you put on a good show. Oh my. Fair enough. As we discussed in the character creation session, this group met when they were hired to perform the same job by different people. In their case, they were all hired to perform various tasks at a noble's birthday party and ended up traveling together from there. Their most recent adventure brings them to the town of Celebrin, a valley town surrounded by mountains whose main attraction is the orchard and winery that surrounds three quarters of the town. There have been reports of a thief making off with much of Samuel Spindler's riches, and as the owner of the Spindler winery, he simply won't stand for it. We meet the party as they enter the town and approach the winery, stocking up on good berries. When offered a handful from the stash, a lizard Beth asks if she can have all 38 of the berries. She's advised against it, as she might explode eating 38 days worth of calories all at once, which then leads to this conversation. An exploding dragon. Who would see that? I'm sure we could make some money. That's a great name for a brothel. Exploding dragon. We do need to hire a male dragonborn, though. I'll put it in the book. In case y'all forgot, I'm keeping a record of these wonderful ideas, whether they be for shows or entrepreneurial pursuits. And let me tell y'all, I like this one the best so far. And it's possibly the most feasible, maybe legal, Maybe not, but probably the most financially agreeable of what we've come up with so far. But please keep it coming. This book, I'm going to have to get a new one soon. As he waves around this black book with little bits of paper kind of folded here and there, it's a little full to the brim. Elizabeth is just going to blink at everybody, ignore everyone, and grab a handful of good berries and scarf them down. Okay, I'm trying to figure out how many... Let's say you take eight in your handful. That's a big hand, ma'am. You're a dragonborn. Oh, you got a point there. Dang. Yes, either way, you ate almost a week's worth of meals in one sitting, basically. You are incredibly full. <laughs> you feel like you're about to burst. She's going to sure lay on us and just lay down and go to sleep while we start walking. Basically, yeah. She's just going to pat her belly, burp, <clears throat> scratch her belly button, pull some lint out. So are we going to do, like, the thing where we make money? I mean, we should start heading out. And with that, our band of adventurers make their way through the quaint little town of Celebrin, observing all that it has to offer before making their way to the looming mansion of the Spindler Winery. A number of unseen servants tend to the property, and one promptly lets them into the Spindler's lavish home. A well-dressed halfling woman, who reveals herself to be the lady of the house, greets the party and asks if they have an appointment with her husband. While the rest of the party bickers about the exact details they may or may not have sent ahead of their arrival, Elizabeth begins to wander the rest of the house. Quickly becoming lost in the maze of hallways, she attempts to reorient herself and ends up breaking a decorative vase in the process. Sweeping it under the rug, Literally. She hopes it will go unnoticed as she slowly makes her way back to the group. Meanwhile, the lady of the house goes to check on their appointment, returning shortly after Elizabeth to let them know that they could come up and see Samuel. 
The stairs give our two dragonborn a particularly hard time, but they manage to make their way up to his study eventually. Unfortunately, they find much of the furniture to be of the same miniature size and end up having to sit on the floor as they are filled in on the job. Samwell offers the party a thousand gold each to bring in the thief that has taken much of his wealth, stating that they helped themselves to a myriad of coins, precious gems, and artifacts. They were only spotted when they stole a chest embezzled with rhinestones from the local museum, but the witness could only describe an average humanoid figure escaping into the darkness. The only other evidence Samuel has to offer is a safe door ripped clean off the hinges, the only other sign that the thief was there aside from the missing goods. The party splits up to further investigate, Jebediah collecting half of their payment up front before accompanying Torin and Limber to get a look at the destroyed safe. Comically enough, they have it taped off, almost like a crime scene, but not with tape. It looks like someone took like some standard size like rope and tied off a like almost like the museum ropes that you see in front of the stanchions. Yeah, he would move it to the side for you and you would see some papers and books scattered along the floor as you see a safe very clearly exposed and empty with the lid laying metal bent in places that it probably shouldn't be on the floor a few feet away from it. I don't know if this would work. Can I do an arcana check to see if there's like residual magical energy or anything like that? And if so, what it might belong to? Yeah, you can make an arcana check. Being proactive here. Yay. Would you say while he's doing the arcana check that I've made it out to the trees? Yes, by now you would have made your way down the stairs and out the door. And you would wander over to the nearest edge of the forest. And as you approach, you'd start to look and you would see. How exactly are you approaching the trees? I would be approaching them kind of like a chihuahua that's overly excited that it has a stick the size of a whale in its mouth. So very excited, bouncing on her toes, giggling. Yeah. <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> and as you kind of walk up, you're like giggling. You're super excited. You're ready to greet the trees. And you're kind of looking. Nothing's happening. So you're just kind of sitting there giggling. Nothing's happening. Now I'm upset. I'm gonna like walk up to one of the trees and like poke it with my talon. Be like, knock, knock, are you awake in there? And you're just gonna hear, hey, that hurts. Cut it out. Oh, I'm sorry. And I'm gonna try and tickle the tree. Does this feel better? Tickle the sides of the, the stump. And you're gonna see the wood kind of split in two spots, actually, as two eyes. Like, the bark sort of opens up to reveal what looks like two, like, wooden eyes behind it. I'm going to immediately get in this tree's face. Forehead to bark. And be like, oh, hello there! How are you today? You don't have to stand so close. Oh, okay. Well, she's gonna step back, like, one step. Is this better? Yes, thank you. Oh... Well, you're such an awesome tree. Oh my goodness. I was so excited when they said that you could talk. How are you? I'm good. Soaking up the sun. What else can you do here? I mean, yeah, yeah, I, I see it, it. It's gotta be really boring to not have legs. What do you do? Do you just stand here? 
all day, every day. Yeah, stand here, grow fruit, all the usual stuff. People watch. I'm on the edge of the forest, so I'm lucky I can watch people. Oh, so what would happen if like somebody just like chopped you down and then just moved you? Would would you have legs at that point? It kind of looks at you for a second. It's like, no, I would be dead. Oh, my body would be removed from my roots and I'd die. Oh, 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 okay. So, so, so like your body is underground. My, my body's right here. And you see the leaves kind of shake a little bit as if it were trying to point, but can't really point. Oh, well, hello there, leaves. I have a question for you. So we're kind of like on this mission where like there's this person thing, whatever, that like stole a bunch of this stuff. You said that you watched people. Did you see anybody running out of here with a bunch of treasure that they didn't need or didn't belong to them? I guess that would depend on what you mean by didn't belong to them. Uh... Because there was somebody that's been sneaking in and out a few times now. Oh, really? The stuff that they've been taking, it's all been coming down from the mountain anyway, so... Are we on the mountain right now? So, to explain, you're in sort of like a valley. There's mountains on either side of this town that's been carved out, and the trees actually, the forest itself, which sort of doubles as their orchard, goes up the first hill that sort of leads to the mountain. Okay, so she's gonna, like, rock back on her heels and be like, uh, well, I don't really know what you mean about mountain, but she's gonna, like, point over her shoulder at the house that she just, like, skipped from. Have you seen anybody sneaking out of the back doors over there? Yeah. Same person. Same person. Okay. Do you happen to know where they went? Like, what direction they went every single time? They usually pass by me and then head north up to the... towards the mountain. Oh, okay, okay. And do you happen to know what they look like? Well, I couldn't see much because it was dark. And I'm not really supposed to be able to see. But, uh, they've got these big gold eyes. Okay. Did they look, like, human, or did they look not human? Uh, I couldn't really tell. I do remember them walking into the forest and then some big thing flying up and out in the same direction of the mountain. Hmm. Okay. Well, this has been a great conversation, Mr. Tree. You are an absolute delight. I love you. She's gonna kiss the tree in between his eyes. And she's going to take out her water skin and pour some water on his eyes. And be like, here you go. Here goes a drink of fresh water because you're a plant and you need water to survive. Thank you, sweetie. And then she's going to skip back to the house. <laughs> and the tree is not even going to say anything. But for the audience, as Elizabeth skips off to the house, the tree makes one final remark to you all and just goes... Finally, I can go back to sleep. And it's kind of like pouring water on my face. You know it's supposed to go on my roots. And just grumbles as its eyes close once again. And we move back to our group in the mansion investigating this destroyed safe. Jebediah, what was that arcana check? 26. With that, uh, you would not sense really any you would sense some magic on it but you would be able to tell that this was a basic enchantment set on it to sort of 
dissuade robbers. Not very hard to bypass for someone who knows what they're doing as far as magic goes. Mm. Or is even a little bit knowledgeable about magic. However, as you're looking more and more at this door, you're seeing that nothing was done to dispel this enchantment necessarily. It was just... And nothing was done to magically pull this off of its hinges. This was like bare hands ripped off the hinges and tossed across the room. Okay, so Jebediah is going to turn to those who are there and I guess turns to Sam uh, and just says, I do believe that whatever, whoever did this, did not do so by magical means. This right here kind of kicks his foot on the where the door should be. I don't know if the door is like around or not, but we'll kick the area. This was not dispelled. And, you know, within enchantments all withstanding, somebody who had more magical knowledge and inclination may be able to bypass, but this was not bypassed by magical means. Oh, no. This was brute force. Whatever did this, well... They walk out. Well, that's not concerning at all. May I make a nature check to determine if I can find out what it is? Yeah, go ahead and uh, as you kind of approach the door, you start to study it and you can make me a nature check. 22. Whatever creature did this, you're not entirely sure that you've seen it before, but studying from the markings on the door, you can tell that it has claws and the... The foot that was used to pull it off of its hinges was massive. This was a very large creature that was somehow able to, for a very brief period of time without necessarily destroying anything in here, able to make use of that large limb to rip off the door, take what it wanted, and then get the fuck out. What's fascinating? Was the wall or window broken? Whenever this happened? No, I mean, there was a bookshelf knocked over. Whatever it is, is incredibly large, and I'm assuming able to make itself smaller, as it wills. Huh, interesting. If we weren't trying to apprehend them for grand theft whatever, I would recommend they'd probably be great for parties. That's a cool pile of trick. We should be heading on. Where did you say that this creature was last seen? It was seen heading into the forest, uh, walking up north towards the mountains, I believe. Ah, okay. Then we'll head that way. As Limber steps outside to find Elizabeth, Jebediah stays back and speaks to Samwell, asking for an item of some value representing a dragon. He produces multiple, and Jebediah chooses a bronze one. He and Torin are then escorted from the house to meet Limber and Elizabeth near the sentient forest. There, they confirm their suspicions based on the clues they've found. They'll be dealing with a dragon. After a few moments of preparation, Limber casts Windwalk, and our party swiftly floats up towards the mountains. After returning to their corporeal forms in front of the mouth of a cave, the rest of the party debates how they should approach this dragon as Elizabeth skips excitedly into the cave. This went about as well as expected. You very soon come face to face with a large golden being with great big wings, shimmering gold scales, 
this thing is massive. You you basically skip through the tiny like passage and into this giant cavern. And it looks like it's about to sort of like almost like a dog that does circles to prepare its like little dog bed. It's doing circles in what looks like a bit of like a nest of pillows and cushions that it's sort of conglomerated together. But it pauses as it looks down at you and it just goes, what are you doing in my home? Oh, well, hello. Is this a golden dragon? Yes. Torrin is going to immediately face first to the ground in a bow. <laughs> Being a cleric of light and dragonborn, this is not great. Oh, fuck. Okay. The lizard myth is just going to skip up to the dragon and be like, oh, hello. I see you're having a slumber party. Can I join? No. What is this slumber party you speak of? I'm sleeping in my home alone where I would like to stay, thank you. Um, well, like, a slumber party is, like, where, you know, you have, like, a bunch of friends that, like, sleep over, and you guys, like, stay in the same room, and you have, like, pillow fights, and you have fun. I'm gonna, like, elbow the air, because he's probably way too big for me to elbow him, but I'm gonna, like, elbow the air. Be like, you know what I mean? We're friends, right? No, I've never seen you before. Oh, I mean, well, now you've seen me, so we're friends now. Just because I've seen you does not make you my friend. State your business in my home. Great one. Um, We were tracking the thief, and we heard there was a hint of the thief here, but I'm trying not to um, upset you. And he kind of... Looks over your way. Well, I appreciate the respect at least, but there is no thief here. If there was, he would have been crushed. With all due respect, your eminence. And Jebediah is going to kind of step out of the shadows and stand next to our prostrating priest and bow. So with all due respect, your eminence, the thief was not reportedly stealing from a dragon. I... I'm quite positive that you would have no difficulties handling such a fool to come into your own home and try and rob you of your riches. But the uh, neighboring town seems to have had a bit of an issue, and we've sort of been led here, so perhaps this vagabond has gone through your way somehow undetected, well, maybe not directly into your home, but, you know... Maybe around the premises? Any strange happenings going on? Uh, new characters that you are unfamiliar with in these parts? Other than ourselves, of course. He kind of raises an eyebrow for a moment and goes, Unfortunately, I mind my own business. If this vagabond, as you so called it, wandered into this area, I have not seen him nor heard anything of him. Can I do an insight check? I want to see if he's lying. You may indeed. All right, let's see if I do as well as I did the first time. No! Critically no. Well, he looks like he is absolutely telling the truth. Gonna nod my head <laughs> and kind of say, well, thank you, sir. I appreciate your information you've provided. If they haven't been around here, would we be able to enlist your assistance. I'm sure you don't want us poking around your fine abode for too long, but the sooner we find out more about our sneaky friend, the sooner we can be out of your hair. 
And in this case, would I be able to utilize persuasion to see if I could persuade the dragon to assist us? Yeah, you can make a persuasion check. Okay, I'm hoping this works out better. Ooh, okay, that works out a bit better. 29. Which is much better. As he kind of looks down at you guys, it's like, well, I'm afraid there's not much help that I can offer you. The help that I would be able to provide is that I have heard of some thieves coming through recently. And from what I've heard, which is why I've not stepped in to do anything, they are simply taking back what is theirs. As these people came into their homes and stole it themselves, thinking that because they lived within the cave systems here, what was there was theirs for the taking. I see. And I'm sure if it was a something as uh, dangerous or to get you involved, it would have been a much bigger affair than it's been so far. It's been going on for quite some time, yes. With regards to these rumours of which you speak, where might we be able to follow them? Could you point us in the right direction? There is a pass through the mountains, directly on the other side of the peak that holds my cave. Were you to follow the stone of the mountain, you would be able to find your way into, your, into that pass, where these mountain dwellers reside. I see. That is some very useful information. I thank you for your cooperation and assistance in this endeavor of us mere mortals. You're welcome. I'm not mortal. I'm immortal. Well, speak for yourself. The rest of us peons, if you will, have uh, mortality under our belts. Indeed. White dragon, you may rise. Thank you. She will stand up. Of course. So are we friends now? <sighs> I suppose if you would like to call it that, you may call us friends. Okay, a lizard Beth is going to immediately throw herself into his pillows and flop down and be like, Hey, bestie, I'm glad we're friends now. So we just go find these other ones, kill them, and take back what they stole. Sounds good to me. Mm. Well, best of luck. And he is literally going to look down at you, Lizard Beth, pick you up by the collar of whatever armor or shirt you're wearing, and deposit you gently off of the stack of pillows and make sure you're standing in the direction of the entrance of the cave and your friends. That's real cold, Bestie. Real cold. Has no one told you how to be... In, in the least bit responsible around the Great One. What's a Great One? Oh my god. You know what? It doesn't matter. Let's just get this over with. Does that mean Great Big Dragon? Are you daddy? Thank you, sir, for your assistance. We'll be on our way. Please see that you are. He's gonna eschew her out. Like, go. He's going to call over her shoulder as she's being dragged away. Bye, bestie. I'll be back later. Love you. Oh, my God. At this rate, she's not kidding. <laughs> and with that, the dragon simply sits down on its stack of pillows as it watches Elizabeth get dragged away and out of the cave. 
The party quickly leaves the dragon to its slumber, Limber's survival skills leading them effortlessly toward the mountain pass mentioned by the creature. He polymorphs Elizabeth into a T-Rex, taking her with him into the nearby caves where a family of dragonborn were living. They are confused and frightened by the group's entrance, but assert that they haven't stolen anything. When asked if there are any other dragons in the area, they state that the gold dragon is the only one on this mountain. As the rest of the party prefers to go confront the dragon again, Torin is stopped by the dragonborn and told that it was actually the humans who were the thieves. They had stolen from the dragon's horde, and ever since the dragon has been slowly returning to retrieve what they stole from him. They even witnessed it, describing multiple items that Samwell had listed as stolen to the party. Furious that he was deceived by their employers, Limber tells everyone that they're going back to the town before leaving the dragonborn in peace. However, instead of returning to confront the dishonest owner of the Spindler winery, Limber has ideas of his own. I'm going to cast my most magnificent spell. The Storm of Vengeance. Oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, no. What the fuck is that? <laughs> the Storm of Vengeance covers 360 foot radius. Lightning flashes in the area, thunder booms, strong winds roar. Every creature under the cloud, when it appears, must make a constitution saving throw. On a failed save, they take 2d6 thunder damage, become deafened for five minutes. Every round that I maintain concentration, it gets worse. I see. On the second round, so in six seconds, will be acidic rain falling from the sky, dealing a d6 acid damage every round. Then round three, six bolts of lightning are going to rain down and strike six creatures or objects of my choice beneath the cloud. They cannot be struck more than once, so I will strike six different creatures. And then, and then round four is going to be a hailstorm for 2d8 damage. Every creature in it, every round is going to take a d6 cold damage from the raging wind. <laughs> this, is, this is apocalypse style magic. It's a ninth level spell. What the fuck would you expect to happen? That is completely fair. <laughs> this is the one thing we might agree on. We, we rank apocalypse on these poor people. Yeah. So um, I don't know what your save DC is at this point. I, I just rolled a collective for the town in general. So that's a 14 for the con save for that first effect. So as lightning and thunder begin to form over the town and some people have even come out of their homes to look up at the forming storm to see what the hell is going on. And then they take 2d6 thunder damage and are deafened for five minutes. Mm -hmm. So roll your damage, good sir. How much HP does a normal like commoner have? Not much, typically. Four. Oh, so he could kill him. <laughs> <laughs> so I kill 90% of the population with one boom. Basically, yeah. <laughs> then melt the bodies down into mush <laughs> with acid ray. Yeah. So honestly, you don't even really have to roll damage. As you see some of these people coming out of their homes, the lightning flashes, you see it strike down a person immediately who was standing outside watching the storm and the loud boom echoes out and everyone is immediately covering their ears in fear and in shock at how loud this was. So this boom echoes out and most of the people just fall to the ground dead. Those who haven't are very quickly taken care of as that boom is quickly followed by acidic rain that begins melting the tops of structures and collapsing roofs. And then if there's up to six people alive, they take 10d6 lightning damage. 
But after that's done, I'm just going to like dismiss the spell and start walking through the town and be like, take anything you want. It's all free. Once the party has collected their spoils from the now decimated town, Limbar sits down for one final act. He casts plant growth on the surrounding area, encouraging new life to sprout in the midst of the ruin that he left. And that is where we will end our adventure for this evening, everyone. Thank you all so much for listening. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode and want to see more of us, please be sure to head to our link tree in the description and check out our other podcasts. Our long-term 5e campaign, Chronicles of Kriath, has almost 60 episodes of shenanigans for you to enjoy. And if you're looking for a new TTRPG system and a more modern story, you'll love our Monster Hearts 2 actual play podcast, All Our Faults. Regardless of what you dive into, we will see you right here on this podcast feed next week for an all-new adventure on Improv Madness. Bye!